Ladies and gentlemen, for one of the best sports podcasts in the business, subscribe on YouTube to Shaky Sports Journeys. Hi and welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Hope uh, everyone is doing well. Uh, podcasts are coming thick and thin. Make sure you're make sure you're subscribing, please. That'd be much appreciated. Today's guest, I've got a, a fine a fine man from the east of Scotland, uh, from the lovely Edinburgh city, Glasgow boy, and all that. We've got a wee bit of back and forth with the boys from the east, but I certainly it's a pleasure to welcome Mr. Kevin Twaddle. How are you, mate? I am brilliant, and it's a privilege to be on. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Mate, I'm meant to be the Asian. Like I'm, I'm meant to be the one that's, I'm meant to be the one that's turning up looking quite brown in that. I've come on the screen with your good self, and you're, you're rocking a serious tan there. You sure you're still living in Edinburgh? I think if I'm being honest with you, it's maybe just my top that's ready. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm lucky. Painters get to work outside in the beautiful weather last week, and that's what I'll say anyway. But I have had a wee bit lying about outside to be honest with you. But it's oh, always nice to have a wee good. tan. Last week was cracking. It was a full week of it. So plenty of sunshine, but you've certainly had a top up. So so good good for you, pal. Um, what I do today is I want to take you in a wee bit of a blether, chat through your life. Um, obviously you've uh, played professional football at top level, so really really keen to hear all about that. But take me back, starting with to your childhood, your family background, growing up in Edinburgh. Yeah, no problems. Um, I think I was very, very lucky. Um, I grew up with a, an amazing mum and dad. Um, lived in a wee village called Dander Hall. It's had uh, quite a few footballers in it. Grant Bremner, who used to play with Man United. Hibs, way over to Australia now. Um, a couple of boys that play in the lower divisions as well. So it's been quite, uh, it's been quite fortunate to have a few footballers amongst it. But mum and dad worked really hard. Um, never really wanted for nothing as a kid. My dad worked in the pit. Um, went through the minor strike in 1994, I think it was, 1984, sorry. Um, that was a tough time. Um, but I never, ever wanted for nothing. I was, I was very blessed with a, with a childhood um, and the upbringing I've had. I've been very, 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 very um, lucky to have what I've had. And I've got a wee sister, wee niece, um, who I don't own as well. I'm a proper family boy. And obviously I've got my wife and a wee girl. So yeah, you mentioned your wee sister. I was going to ask you any siblings. So when did uh, when did you start kicking a ball? I started kicking a ball. I mean, I was young when I kicked a ball. I mean, I was playing. I was playing um, in primary school. I was playing in primary four, and I was playing in cup finals and things like that. It's never ever happened in my primary school again. It never, probably never ever. Well, very very fortunate. I was really decent at football and. I think I had a woman teacher, a, a, lady, a lady called Miss Apollinari, and we never had the best relationship in the world, and she used to threaten me all the time that I wouldn't go out on a Friday afternoon to play football, because um, I had to get away from school to play. The team played on a Friday afternoon, and I was useless at school. I had no, I had no, um, I had no concentration span, but I just, I wasn't the brightest. Um, and I, I really wasn't interested, to be honest with you. I had a terrible kind of, I'm not going to say I had a terrible kind of attitude. I just wasn't, a, I wasn't very academic, to be honest with you. Um, but I, my, my teacher that was at school that done the football, he ruled the roost, to be honest with you. He always made sure I go, even when things weren't great, because he knew, um, well, maybe not, well, probably in primary four, but more as they're going in primary five and stuff like that. I was playing in cup finals and scored winning goals in cup finals and stuff like that. So, yeah, for a very young age, I was, I was, I was quite decent at football, yeah. So you're a winger and a, and a striker predominantly. So I'd imagine you were pretty quick then, from a very young age. I was rapid, yeah. Um, I probably got even quicker as time went on, stealing money off the people and, <laughs> and running away, to be honest with you. But I, I was really quick. I was lightning fast. That was my one my one thing. I signed with St Johnston in 2000 and, eh, sorry, 1995. And Paul Stewart said that to me. He said to me, you've got one thing that a lot of people haven't got in abundance. He says, you're rapid. Um, Good at crossing the ball with both feet, which is a, a commodity. And said there's loads of things you can work on. Your fitness is rubbish, and you're the worst I've ever seen in the air for somebody six foot three. But we can work on that. I gave up on that for about a couple of hours and thought, what's the point? <laughs> and just stopped all together. Yeah, so yeah, pretty, I was really for, for a guy six foot three to be that to be. It's, it's no normally you normally associate the the wee wit, the wee smaller guys with being a bit more whippity. Ah, yeah, I was no, I was I was very very fortunate that. Um, 
even at school, I was running races. I was quite sport bully at school. I'm good at every. I have rephrased that. I'm, I'm decent at every sport. I'm sport bully. I'm not good at nothing, but I can take my hand to anything, snooker, pool, badminton, table tennis. I can play pretty much in a decent standard, but I'm not great at nothing, if you know what I mean. But I was really, really, really quick. And yeah, that gave me the opportunities, probably um, lucky opportunities to get into football. So you sound like a typical young Scottish lad growing up. Loads of energy, passion for your sport. I can relate to you, mate. I, I, I only cared about sport when I was at school as well. That was just, uh, and, and I, my mum was the one that used to say, if the homework doesn't get done, then you're not playing, you're not, you're not getting a game. You're not playing the football at the weekend, you're not playing cricket Friday night. And I'd be like, oh, it would be like torture. You know, you could you could do anything to me, but if you do that to you, so I can I can relate to you, but it was just hard to hard to concentrate. I just wanted to be out there, out there playing sport. So when the boys club football and stuff start, you, you said you, you then you had good experience of playing in quite good, you know, cup finals and stuff in primary school. But going out of primary school in your teen years, where were you playing? Um, I played with a team in Edinburgh. I was a really big club in Edinburgh called the Dyna Habs. Um, I played with them for maybe 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Had the opportunity at 16 to go and sign my Habs. I was a massive Hearts fan. Um, stupid, stupid, stupid at the time. But and I can remember there was a boy, um, Paul McGovern, who played in my team at Edina Habs. He was a very good footballer. And his dad was the, like really well in at Habs, Ben McGovern. And I mean, back in the day, I mean, he chased me left, right and centre to, to get into Hibs for the start of uh, an apprenticeship at Hibs. And just my stupidity, probably one of the things I look back on now, just my naivety and stupidity as a young boy that I've been, I've, I've watched Hearts on the world, to be honest with you. Um, they were my team growing up and I just, it wasn't for me to go and um, sign my Hibs. Stupid. And as I said, I mean, they even kept coming back to the door, speaking to my mum and dad and, um, I, nowadays you just wouldn't get the opportunities you're lucky if you get one chance well, I got quite a few but I didn't want to and I can remember my dad was a painter at the time as well I worked with the rolling decorators I got a start with him because my uncle was a managing director I can remember getting a start with him a four year apprentice and I can remember travelling to Glasgow to the Copthorne Hotel right outside the train station and I can remember travelling after about two months I was leaving at like six o'clock in the morning I wasn't getting back to like seven o'clock at night I was a young boy that wasn't interested in working whatsoever and I'm thinking to myself, what am I actually doing? Painting, and, 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 and to be fair, it, but, I mean, it's my job now, I've got my own business, but I, I didn't even like it, to be honest with you. I wasn't even any good at it either. Um, I was cheeky, I was just, I wasn't a great individual. Um, but I, I went on to paint, and I used to sit on jobs and it to myself, what am I actually doing here? I could have been playing football. And, but I, I, never really, I never really thought after that, I just kept going. And, um, I, I went through my my four years as an apprentice um, and then I left Rollins. I went to work for a self-employed boy who played with Dunbarry United um, junior football and I went to he said to me come along there and I thought I'm not really interested so I played with my amateur team in Dander Hall and I scored about 52 goals in a season which is still a record at amateur football which, but the standard was back in the day was brutal and they were just trying to kick lumps with me as well because I was so quick but they couldn't get us because I was that quick scored a lot of goals and and the boy I was working with as a painter would say to me, do you want to come down and play at Dunbar? Um, they would pay you some money. And, and I think that was the only thing I heard. They'd pay you some money. And I thought to myself, but this time, my life had kind of spiralled out of control with gambling, even at like 20 odd year old. I mean, my life is, my life, my addiction had taken over my life, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I went down there and uh, yeah, I played a season down there. And uh, to be fair, I never even played a season and I was away to St. Johnston. I'm very fortunate. Lucky. A lot of guys, you missed a four-year period there. That could have been it. No football career. A lot of guys missed that window. That would have been the end. So it's very interesting to hear. It shows, obviously, how talented you were, mate. You know, you were clearly a, a, a super, super talent. But when I look at your career, I can see that there was some bumps along the way. Because, like you say, and I'm going to go through all your teams, because if we were to chat about all of them, we'd be here all night. But St. Johnston, 51 appearances. Wraith Rovers, 32 appearances. Green Up Morton, 46. Motherwell, good stint, 71 appearances. Air United, Hearts, you're signed for your boyhood club. Again, a very short stint, which I'm sure probably you look back and, and, and I'd imagine through your struggles, etc., was a disappointment. Then a stint at St Mirren, which was also a, a short stint. So the first half of your career there in professional ranks, 
you were racking up good numbers and you were playing, but you mentioned there that you'd already started having difficulties in your, your, your addiction and your personal life. So that so what you were talking in your teenager years, that started then? I can never put my first bet on at 13. Um, I'd never ever, I, I mean, I played pitch and toss and I played like usual things at school. I could always remember though um, that I was, I was a, a horrible loser. I could see all the traits in me as a young kid that I was playing pontoon and for pennies and that with my nana and my mum and I'd push the table upside down, fly all the money all over the place and sheer not her anger. Um, I was never a good loser. I was just a temperamental. And yeah, I mean, I put my first bet on it at 13. My dad put a football coupon on for his, um, a one-feet section a pound. I have the worst memory in the world, but I'll never, ever forget that bet, never, ever. And it came in, as, as probably most compulsive gamblers would tell you, your first bet always seems to... And it was a one-feet section, five teams, £84 for a pound. And I was only 13 at the time. And I thought to myself, wow, this is the way I want to make my living. <laughs> Little did I realise the, the carnage and the chaos that it was um, that it was going to cause in my life, not just to me, but to the people around about me as well, which I never ever seen myself taking them down and the impact that I had on my mum and dad, their health. And I never ever seen any of that. And when you're in addiction, you didn't, you didn't kind of get to see that. But you're right, I went through my football career as well. You're sitting talking about some of the clubs I was at. I mean, I was at St Johnston for two years, and to show you how savage my gambling was as well, I had the opportunity to sign for another two years at St Johnston. I'd won their play of the year the first year I was there, coming to playing amateur and then um, junior football. And to go and win a play of the year at a big club like St Johnston was kind of incredible. It was a one in a million, to be fair, but I, I hit the road running up there, and I'd done amazing. Paul Sturrock had said to me, I wouldn't play up there for three months, get my fitness ready, and... I was up there and started straight away. I was on the bench the first week I was there and started the next game. We can never miss a game. Scoring goals, linked with clubs doing south. But you know what? In the second season, I got injured, came back and played. And I got offered a good deal at St Johnston. But by that point, I was already causing carnage money-wise as well. I was due a lot of people money. I was due a lot of banks money. <clears throat> so my, my kind of end to all my means at every football club is I was moving from club to club because I knew the money I was moving for. I was always going to pay the debt and then I was kind of starting on a clear footing again. But unfortunately, it always kind of caught up with me. So everywhere I've moved, but St Johnston was the worst of them all. I mean, if someone says, look back in your career and gone to... There's two things in my career. The St Johnston one was just... Anybody with a normal brain, St Johnston were doing so well in the first division. I knew that next again year they would go up and they would go into the Premier League as a big club as well. Yet Wraith came in for me. Wraith had just won the first division. They were in the Premier League. They were always a certainty to go straight back down again. So I knew, I knew even before I went, but by for, for financial reasons, which is horrible to say, that's the only reason I did, I did go. For financial reasons, I moved. And by Christmas, we were already relegated and St Johnston were already promoted. So it kind of was... And then I had one further on in my career, which is just the most... Even talking about it now, it's just I, absolutely bonkers, crazy. I had the chance to go to um, Chef United before I signed my hearts, went down... For a day, spent um, time doing with Kevin Blackwell and um, Neil Warnock, went for something to eat with them, met their wives, made me feel like a million dollars. Um, Neil Warnock, I've never ever probably felt that in my football career, and I've been very, very fortunate to have the manager for but it just made me feel as if I was going there as, a, as there as a superstar. He tried to get me when I was at St Johnston as well, things never worked out. And, and I went down there, and my agent came down the second day, worked out a deal for three years with a year option, making ridiculous money. Signing on fee, ridiculous. Came back up the road, had my mind made up. I was signing there and that where Hertz came in for me, offered me a one-year deal and I signed my Hertz for a quarter of the money, for a quarter of the sign-on fee. Just the chance to any boy who'd boy, just anybody, anybody with a right brain, with a football brain, but it just kind of reminded me back to when I, when I never had the opportunity, when I never took the opportunity to Hibs as well. You go and sign my Hertz, your boyhood heroes are you, but stupidity, financially... It wouldn't really have mattered anyway financially because I would have, I would have, I would have had nothing anyway. Say, do you think maybe that was just meant to be? Because maybe if you'd went down to Sheffield, mate, not really had the people around you that you maybe needed in your life at that point, it might have spiralled even more out of control. Well, you know what? I, I firmly believe what you've just said is true. I, I tried to commit suicide in 2004. And you know what? If I had been doing there, it would have been done before the 2004. And you're right, it was, it was, Ah, yeah, it would have killed me probably to be honest with you because I mean the money I was getting offered uh, was ridiculous and just 
Uh, it would have killed me. And But it did show me as well that I was a right family boy as well because, you know what, my nana was dying at the time. And I knew if I moved away, I wouldn't get to see much of her. And I knew she had, like, very little time to go. And obviously, I stayed up here, and within four months, she'd been up here, and playing my heart, she died, eh? so... Um, it did show me that I had a, a massive heart, and, and I was all about family, but... I, I mean, any normal person would have obviously done the other thing, but hey-ho, I chose what I, I chose. And as you said, I always believe as well, and especially now, I believe that whatever's meant for you is for you, and I believe that was where I was meant to be and where I was meant to go, and it's kind of gave me a life I've got today, so I've no complaints about it, but just mental, crazy thinking, 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 as I call it. So, look, you're still done on a football park, what a lot of people would dream to do. You played as a professional footballer for a good amount of time, 1994 to 2006. You know, there was, was longevity in your career. I do sit here now, being a fellow person who's played sport at a high level, and I do think to myself, if, and we're going to go on and talk about it, but if you didn't have the struggles that you had in your personal life, I reckon those numbers, the amount of goals you scored, the likes of Sheffield United, Sheffield Wed, all the you know bigger clubs down south, I reckon would have been something that would have happened in your career. Because I can tell by look at reading up on you, I've seen you, I've seen you play in the football park as well. You were clearly a talent, but yeah, it seems like it was a it was a, it was a, it was a career that was impacted by what's going on off the pitch. And, and we'll talk about that. Before we go on, though, I do want to ask you, what would you say was your most memorable moment on a football park? Um, I think most people would laugh at this because I never ever stopped talking about it. Well, to be fair, since hopes even come up and my wee girls come along and stuff like that, I didn't really mention it, but I mentioned it on night soup when I'm drunk, which is very um, irregular now that I'm here, but... Um, I, I can remember uh, I scored at Parkhead and we won one nothing when I was at Motherwell, sixty-two thousand. I think for someone, um, and I mean, I was always I've watched Hearts playing at Celtic so many times as well, and I that feeling of scoring there was just it still doesn't feel real now. Even just I, I can remember every bit of it as well. I can remember how it was built, how the play built up for Andy Gorham um, to Stephen McMullen. Shrewing goals, and I can remember Stirling Petrov was making his debut at Park Keep for Celtic. Just ran away from him, goals, and put it in the top corner. I won nil and scored on the Saturday as well against. Um, I scored on the Saturday against Kilmarnock, I think it was as well. First, uh, sorry, I it was against Kilmarnock for my other day. I on the Saturday two goals in two games, and I'd only just actually started playing because it, it, my starting my time in my well, I had glandular fever as well, so I didn't kind of start great there either. It was. Um, I missed the first couple of months of the season, so for to get in, I kind of became a, a fan's favourite right away, to be fair, which is quite nice, and I, that's that's my most memorable times as well, without a shadow of a doubt, and that's the team now that, if I'm looking for results, or I'm looking for, I mean, I've done I've done the radio for St Johnston three, four weeks, so I love my time there, I love my time at Morton, I love my time everywhere I went, and I've always had a good rapport with every set of fans, apart from Hearts probably, because I had a nightmare when I was there, um, for numerous reasons, but it is what it is, um, but Aye, Motherwell was amazing. The fans, the people, how well I've done. Aye, I kind of uh, love my time there. So I scored at Parkhead would definitely be something that I'll never forget. And something I can show my daughter as well. That um, Yeah, it's something not a lot of people have done. So. Aye, well, your daughter can show her children and her children can, can show her children that you scored at Parkhead. That, that's, that's something to be very, very proud of, my friend. Thank you. Your, your football career, you know, during this time you mentioned... So I can relate to something, pitch and toss. Played a bit of pitch and toss in my, in my time as well. But I can see why from the age of 13, you're already getting that kind of feeling for it. And, and pitch and toss, when you've got the 10 coins in your hand, you shake them and then you get seven heads <laughs> and you're thinking, this is the business. You know, I can, I, can, I can totally relate to that. But obviously, these things, when you get addicted to them and addicted to trying to make the quick, quick money with the gambling can get more and more out of hand. When did you start going into serious gambling? Like, not pitch and toss or not just a coupon here and there? You know, are we talking the casinos? What roulette? What are we talking? To be fair, it was pretty much right away from being honest with you. I knew where I was, I mean, I was putting the coupons on then before I knew it, I was, because I was quite a tall boy as well, I was putting on bets myself at like 15, 16. So, I kind of pretty much knew by 16. When I started my apprenticeship with Rollins, I mean, I was taking boys' money at lunch and I was going away and getting all the lunch and everything. I was going to the bookies, losing it, 
and gone back. And I mean, I can remember, I mean, it sounds stupid and ridiculous, but I can remember scraping my face off walls and I can remember saying I'd been jumped and they had police involved and just absolutely mental because I was spending all our money. And so I knew right away that my troubles were, I think obviously when I started playing football and I was making the money, I was kind of making that's when kind of things. And because I could get my hands on money and bother as well. I kind of think that's when it um, started spiraling out of control. But I, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I, as I said to you earlier about my mum and dad as well, I mean, I, I robbed my mum and dad. I had to be for my dad. I left my mum and dad homeless as well. And I'm, I'm a, I always talk to people about addiction as well. I'm the most loving family boy. I mean, I, my mum's lying in the hospital more well now, and that kills me. And I just, the last couple of weeks have been really tough, actually. My mum's been really not well, um, like really not well. And it kind of makes you go back to the days again and kind of, think about Ken, all the things that you've done and that weren't great and if I hadn't been for my dad I'd have left them homeless for sure and it doesn't matter what anybody says to you you can put family that you adore and love in one hand and you put gambling in the other and when you've got an addiction gambling wins every time and I never did a relationship with my dad growing up because he was the blocker to my mum he absolutely robbing them blind because my mum was so naive and I was a boy she would do anything for me and but my dad was and it kind of came to a point um, where uh, I obviously, I mean, I was taking ridiculous amounts of money. I was doing things that were just, were just so. What type no. Of, sorry, what type of what type of things? What type of gambles were you taking? Everything. It wouldn't matter what you were talking about. I was doing it. I was in the casino, still stupid o'clock. Um, but I was betting on horses, dogs, football. It didn't matter what it was. I was betting on it. I mean, I I pretty much knew every sport inside out. Well, I thought I knew it obviously, but. I just couldn't have to collect what I mean. That was the thing that I, I loved a bet. And it's like saying to someone, saying to you, Ken, how do you explain addiction to somebody? And I say to them, the easiest way for me to do it would be, it's like me going to a bookies and say, I've got 100 quid in my hand and saying, I've got to play that roulette machine. All I need today is get to 200 and I'm, I'm definitely taking it, whatever happens. And, and I could be up at 600, but I know before I leave the shop, I've got to be sitting with nothing because I can't have a collect button. So... Nice. That's that's when you that's when you know it. That's when you know yeah. it because it, it yeah it's there's no safe way once you get deep. No. I, can, I can imagine as well because you were playing football and you had a good monthly good cracking salary coming in. You were probably spinning it as much as you could and going right. Well, I'm in debt, so I've got big money coming in. I'll pay that off. I've got a little bit more. I'll gamble with that. But then by month by month by month, it starts going and going and going. Your parents obviously suffered from it, but you're very, you know, very brave and honest. Look, listening to you, I can relate to you. Maybe not with, maybe not with gambling, but just a lot of other things. And finances definitely included. That you know, I've you, my parents have done too much, and, and I, I've put them through too much. And I feel the same way when I look back as you're sitting here now, and your your dear mum's not not doing too well. You start to remember, and it eats at you. I can imagine it eats. He's thinking, oh, I can't believe I've done that. But like you say, things can get out, of, can get out of control. These casinos and you know the bookies and stuff. It's it's, it's not as easy as, as just saying, "Oh, I'm just going to leave that." When you're addicted, you're addicted. So, what did when things started going? What kind of debt started building? When did you? When did it get to the point you're thinking to yourself, "Shit, this is getting really serious now." <laughs> See the thing is the thing is as well, I always I could I could always from the very start, I could always admit to you that I was a compulsive gambler. I just couldn't accept it. So the admitting and the accepting for me were the hard part. Um I think I got to 2000 and 2004. Um I thought 2004, I I I Kenny was at, at, at Hearts Hibs, Derby, I broke my neck, I got pins and screws in a cage in my neck in 2003, 2004. I kind of knew that was the end of my football, to be honest with you. And by 2004, I can remember I'd, I'd lost a relationship through gambling. Um, through just, I uh, just being, just being, I mean, I was just, I wasn't a great human being, to be honest with you. Um, and I knew pretty much then that I needed help. I just didn't know kind of how to ask for the help, how to get it. And I kind of only thought my way out was, um, and I think it's mad eh? because you think about it now and I think about all the people that can you know, go around and try to talk to and help. And, but you think about all the things that um, that go through your head when you've got to commit suicide is everybody's just so better off without you. And it's such, can you never ever think of the impact you're leaving behind on other people? And, and, 
and I know people have got to be in a really bad place there, but I selfish, just selfish to the core I was as well. And I kind of knew I needed I needed help um, then. But even at that, I mean, I, I tried that. It never worked. I ended up in hospital for a few days. I was really not well. Um, what, 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 I take it at that point, you were you were deep, 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 deep in debt, money, big debt. I was I was due I was due a lot of money I was due tens of thousands of pounds, um, which I was very very lucky because. But I was saying to you, I'll try to commit suicide, and even that even that didn't stop me gambling. Mental. I, I mean, it just sounds crazy, but I, wait, I waited on a three month or something, and eventually, um, I broke down one day. Um, one night it was I broke down one night. I went and um, spoke to my mum and dad. I spoke to uh, my sister. My sister was the first person I told actually, and just said I needed help. I was I was in a place I'd never ever been before. I'd got myself in ridiculous amounts of debt. So my dad sat down and spoke to me. It was the first time I'd ever seen my dad showing any emotion. I've never ever showed, I've never ever heard my dad crying. Um, my dad was broken and my dad just said to me, he said, listen, whatever it is, you're in trouble. He says it doesn't matter where you've been playing football, whatever you've done and I've followed you. He's followed me everywhere playing football. Absolutely everywhere. Um, he says this is the proudest thing I've, I've ever been proud of you for. He says it's the hardest thing you've ever ever done. I'll help you, whatever it is. And I pretty much of it wasn't it if for them and two thousand and four, I'd probably be got to jail for fraud to be fair. So or I would have been in jail for fraud. So they bailed me out with a lot of help, a lot of money. Um and obviously we're stopping gambling. I went in a, I went in a GA on October the fourth October the fourth, two thousand and five. And within a short period of time I'd paid most of my money back because I was making really good money anyway. Um but kind of started up my own business and so I was kind of able to, and then I was doing, I started doing meetings, obviously. I was doing meetings, I was doing talks in football clubs. Um, so I kind of I threw my obsession into kind of staying off the gambling and doing all the things I could to, my, my obsession became doing meetings and stuff like that and stopping gambling, to be fair. So what age were you? How many years ago were we talking now when this, this moment with your mum and dad happened? <laughs> that was, I was 33 years old. So it was 16 years, 17 years ago. 17 years ago. So that's that's that was the moment. That was a cross. That was a, that was a cross from Kevin Twaddle making that decision. And from that day forward, you've you've just gone onwards and upwards. And we're, we're obviously we're going to go on to going to go on to talk about that. Or did you still have little? Were you battling? Was the addiction? Trying oh to, no! Oh trying to, no! 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 I've battled every day. Right, okay. Every day, I would say though, um, last and I'll tell you another thing as well. I mean, I've, and I'm quite open about it and honest as well. Um, last January 28th last year, um, it wasn't through gambling; it was just through life. I was, I don't know. I've, I went back to that place where I'd never ever been before, and I was kind of suicidal. If I'm being honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. I just was, you know what, I'd stopped gambling for a lot of years, but I'd never ever changed as a person. So I can remember when I first walked into GA, someone said to me, an old man that, who I adored, who was my mentor, and I spent months and months and months with him in the Western General until he died. I went in every day after work. I idolised the guy. He said to me when I first walked into GA, if stopping gambling is the only thing he did, before, before, no matter through time, you'll go back out the door the same person. And he was right. I was always going to go back out the door the same person because I never, ever changed. I still was lying, cheating, manipulating. I was still doing all these things, selfish to the core, still with a massive ego. And it wasn't until last year, on January 28th last year, that I went down to a treatment centre in, in Castle Craigs and my friend was down there as a therapist. And he'd said to me about a 12-step recovery programme and... Uh, we went in the lockdown last year and it gave me the opportunity to spend nine months stripping myself bare. Um, and I would safely say it's the best thing I've ever, ever, ever done in my life. And it's changed my life in ways that I would never believe. It's gave me the opportunity to, you maybe sound stupid, but people say, what's it done for you and how it can do it for you. I used to be the most lazy, mentally, physically boy you'll ever get to meet. 17 stone, two, four, five stone overweight. In the last year, I've lost two and a half stone. I'm doing a half marathon for sick kids and four weeks on Sunday, it's just changed my life. It's made me a, it's made me a good person again. And it just, it's the best feeling in the world. It's the hardest thing I've ever, ever done and the hardest thing anybody will ever do in the 12-step recovery programme. 
But for me, I had to do it because I was never I was never going to change. All of a sudden, life has stopped going. I wouldn't have been that best dad that I want to be. Being a dad for me is the greatest gift in the world. I idolise my bearing. I mean, people love their kids. Uh, my, my wee girl is just... I sit down with my wee girl and cry all the time, sitting talking about her. She just... I have never, ever... I just... In the day, I didn't have to be grumpy. I didn't have to be... I'm there mentally and physically for my wee girl. And people have moaned about homeschooling for the last year. People have moaned at the start this year about homeschooling. And fairly so, because it's very, very difficult. You know what? I've absolutely loved every single minute being a part of her, um, her, just a development and knowing that, you know what, dad's played a wee part in that because before, I wasn't doing that, and it's horrible to say because I pride myself on being a good dad, but the 12-step recovery programs changed my life. It's gave me a wee bit of understanding of the person on the day, and it's made me realise as well, it's given me a lot about addiction as well. It's made me realise, you know what, I could have been an alcoholic, I could have been, I could have been a drug addict, I could have been a sex addict, I could have been whatever addict I wanted to be. Gambling was never, ever, ever my problem. Gambling was my solution to not being able to deal with real life. I couldn't deal with real life. And this has given me the tools to be able to deal with real life and be a good person every day. Be kind, be compassionate. Things I've never, ever been in my life before because I've been a selfish, selfish to the core person. And I'm not saying there's days where I still get it wrong, but you know what, I've got a massive toolbox to give me an opportunity to do the best for myself and and the most important people around about me. Brilliant, mate. I, I, I follow you now on uh, on so yeah, that's good. Just get that camera straightened up. I was losing you a wee bit there. Some of your some of that tan, mate. Um, so hey, I've I've been following you on social media, and, and I can see you're making some really really good changes in your life. Loving the the running, bringing that new new energy to you. As you say, knocking off two or three stone naturally will make you feel better as a person. Um, it sounds to me. That even though when you stopped the gambling, you were always battling with depression. Depression was a big part of your life. Um, up until you just said there very recently, where you've now made some other changes to your life to, to make it even better. Would I, would I be right when I say that? 100%. It's funny because you know what? When I played professional football, I was at Motherwell. And no one knows this. This is a thing that I've, I've only been open and honest about this probably in the, the last couple of months. Uh, I was at Motherwell and I was seeing a doctor for, um, for anxiety and depression. I was a Premier League football player. I was doing things that people would have loved today. People, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what you do in life, it doesn't. But back in the day, you never really had. I'm not going to say I never had because it's, it wouldn't be an excuse. But nowadays, it's sociably acceptable to say, you know what, I'm really struggling today, and it's really brave to put your hand up and say, you know what, I'm really toiling today. Can I get a wee bit of help? And back in the day, that just wasn't. It wasn't a thing. And I'm lucky today that you know what that I've got people around about me that. I can say when I'm struggling, you know what, I'm struggling today. Or, but just, I, my mindset has totally changed. I've got a different mindset. I know that if anything's going to be rubbish in my life today, I don't have to blame anybody else apart from myself. If I talk to people like rubbish, or I know that's doing to me, it's not doing to anybody else. And this goes for my, my home life. It goes for my, my wee girl. It goes for everything. The people that work for me as well. Just, I, I've changed, I've changed lots. I've had to change lots because you know what, I've, I wanted a better life. I didn't just want to be this person, Kevin Twaddle, you know what? He's ex-football player, Ken, he's done this, done that, whatever. I want to I want to try and make a difference to people. I want to try and help people. I want to... And I've, I've, I've been inspired. I've been inspired by loads of people. Um, I mean, Ken, just even my running, there's boys on Twitter that have helped me immensely. I wouldn't even know they've... Life, you know what? Life is... Life is really... It's not fully hated people, but... It's just nice to be a good person and help people. That it doesn't cost nothing, and you know what? That's that for me, and it makes, it gives me a good feeling as well. If I can be going out and I can do these kind of things, but you're right, I anxiety and depression, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Some days you can be great, and other days can you can be struggling. But it's nice that you've got that outlet to go and speak to people that I know are there for me, and and I'm there for other people as well. And it, it takes some courage to open up and say you're really struggling, right? Because as I said back in the day, you just kind of get on with it and it's not a thing you can talk about. But nowadays, mental health is such a huge stigma. Um, so just let people know that if they ever needed any help or ever needed just a wee word in the air, they could, they could message me anytime and I would always be there for anybody. It's great to, it's great to hear, mate. And I really like the part you mentioned about your daughter. 
you know, in lockdown, because I think so many people have stripped life back during lockdown. Life has been simple, but it makes you realise that, see, like, when you maybe won a five grand bet or a ten grand bet, and I bet you were like, this, nothing can be better than this right now. But those moments you spent with your daughter and, and you've seen her, you know, evolve and change and become more advanced and you're having a big part of that, there's no bigger bet. There's no bigger bet you can win than that, my friend. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's heart-touching to hear that that's where you're at in life now. And you know what? That will, she will bring you more and more happiness. But as a person, it's important that you take care of yourself. So the 12 steps, I've heard about it. I know, Rafa, can you give us a wee, a wee snippet of what it's all about? Aye, it's just, you know what? I, I never really had a clue. I mean, I read through some of the stuff. Obviously, when you're going through the steps, I had to get a sponsor. He's an AA. So a day two AA, a day two AA meetings a week, a Monday, a Wednesday, and a day my GA meeting on a Friday. And I don't even drink. But I've never, ever, ever met mere courageous, mere people with mere strength and courage and hope. And alcoholics are phenomenal, by the way. They're phenomenal. And, and I would hate to say, and I say it a lot of the times, you know what, there's a lot of times that I wish I was an alcoholic because I would want to be part of their gang because they're, they're the strength and courage I take from them is frightening, man. Sometimes that they go through and yet they can ch change their life around and give you that strength and courage and it's feeding off other people. And But the steps is all about just looking, it's about, um, just quickly, I, it's about going through how life, how you're powerless and unmanageable to life. Um, whether you're gambling or whether you're no gambling. Two is about having a higher power, um, connecting with a higher power in life, your own, your own God, whatever it may be. I'm lucky that before we had hope, we had a few miscarriages and then I, I decided to go to church for a, a year. Well, for nine months, lit a candle every week and we had hope. And okay, just things that have happened to me that just they didn't just happen for... So I've always had a big belief in God. I used to ask him for the wrong things when I was gambling, but now I ask him, for selfless things, not about myself, it's about other people. And so I get the higher power force about going through all the resentments you've got in life and you go through all these resentments, write them all down, and why you're resentful towards them, what was your part in it, you clear your part in it, you understand how selfish and considerate, all these kind of things that you've been and you kind of realise that all these resentments you've got, they're all your own fault, they're not anybody else's fault. And five is about... Um, gone out and can clear your sexual conduct and all that, six, seven, eights about uh, gone out and saying sorry to people that you've kind of harmed and stuff, people that you can, can you say sorry to, there's a lot of people I can't say sorry to now, like my nana and stuff like that, I had to write a letter from my nana, went away over to Kirkcaldy where we used to go to Burnt Island every year and I uh, took a letter and put it in the water, just something that, things that I can't eat kind of day and, but I then step nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's all about going out and helping other people and carrying a message, and that's what I, what I try to do now. And that's a quick that's a quick nine months, by the way, what I've done. But I tell you, it's it's painstaking. It's it's gone through things that have happened to my childhood as well. That yeah, I've had an, an unbelievable upbringing, unbelievable, unbelievable mum and dad. But there's things happened in my life as well that have kind of made me a scared boy, and I just things that I can kind of understand now and see why I love being. Control. I love. There's a lot of pride about me. There's a lot of sick pride about me. Just I. There's. You just kind of. You break the strip yourself there. Um, but I. It's the best, best thing I've ever, ever done in my life, and it's the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. You know what? I've, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of things in life. Regards football and that as well. But this is uh, this. And you know what? It's made me. It's made me a really good person today. I can look in the mirror, you know what, and I'm a good person today. And and it's took me a lot, a lot of years to say that. Brilliant, brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Um, sounds like it's almost cleansed you all the way, like inside, outside, everything. You know, even from going to speak to certain people and and clearing the air. Um, you know, I really like the way. I think this is something that's lacked in society now, where people aren't prepared to look themselves in the mirror. And until you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and accept your faults, you're going to constantly be poking at somebody else. It's going to be somebody else's fault. Me and you, I, I can I can relate. I bet through I was very similar in teenage years. If I lost at something in the house, when I look back, I'm a bit, I, I lost in a sports day race once, Kev, and uh, my mum was filming me as I came off the race. Now, like you, I was quite quick. So I always used to finish first, but it was the leg and 
the, the potato spoon. My mum <laughs> told me you better to keep your hand and go slow because the other the other people will drop it and you'll go ahead of them. But the other people were holding it and they were running along and just picking up and I got beat. And I remember coming off the race and I went and I walked towards the camera and that was see when I look at it now and I've seen it a couple of times in later life. I'm like, I should have my mum should have lamped me one across the side of the head and should have grounded me for a month because I'm disgusted with the way I behave. But it's that competitive, selfish, you know, it's, it, 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 you need to you need to grow and go through certain things in life, which you have. Maybe this was so many be your journey, mate, because now you're helping people. Tell me a little bit more about that. I know you're part of um, Gambling Anonymous. You're quite quite a, quite an important figure there now. Tell me about some of the work you do. I I mean. I mean, listen, I help other people, but the reason I help other people is because it helps me as well. Eh? It's, it's like now, for instance, I've entered a 12-step programme where a sponsor now our sponsor. I've got two boys who, one of them's actually just through the programme. He's just changed his life about remarkable um, change and remarkable boy as well, how he's changed his life about. And that's self-worth for me, just to be a wee part of his family's journey. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Things that, I mean, I used to look for all the wrong things to be happy for. Just crazy. Yeah, you take somebody through this program and you watch them change your life. Someone who had no chance in life because they were like me. They were just wouldn't they listen and they wouldn't they take all these suggestions on board, listen to what you were trying to tell them, and just to see that now, just to see what he's got and his family have got and the, the nice words you get for people's wives and it's just it's you can't buy that. It's it's uh, it's brilliant, but. I know, listen, they a wee bit of private work regards boys that are playing football as well, boys that are playing at a higher level that they obviously can't really walk into GA rooms because you know what, they've been in front of the papers and that's what people want. Eh? People want to do these horrible things and they, they wouldn't see the good part of someone walking into a room and saying, you know what, I'm really struggling today and I want to get a wee bit of help and it would be this big story that's got to make people look and it's life's, life's shite like that and people should have the opportunity to but unfortunately, they don't. So I had a wee bit of help with boys, two of a couple of boys playing the Premiership in England, um, a couple of Scottish boys privately that I wouldn't, I never, I never sent anybody. I just kind of did it myself, and and any kind of help. I mean, if I've, if there's chats today, I've, I've done, as I said, school chats, second day chats in schools, and you know what? I'm just, I'm a, a very, very lucky boy. You know what? There's a lot of people with a better story than me. The unfortunate for other people is, and it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I was a football player, and it. I've got I've got a voice because I was a football player. I listen to other people with strength and courage that didn't have man in life. That I've got a greater story than me, and I take more strength out of them and I take fate than I would for ever for myself. But I, if, if I'm lucky enough that maybe that's why I get to have that voice because it was because of football, then I'll use it because I want to go out and I want to make sure other people didn't go down the road that I go down. And you're meant to be the big thing about the steps as well as you're not meant to promote the steps. It's uh, it's about attraction, no promotion. And then what I've done for the last like 15, 20 minutes is hi, I'm really bad for it. But you know what? I know how much you can change people's lives. I know you don't have to have an addiction. I mean, I could get to anybody, I could get to you and I could make you a better person. It just or I'm not saying it just can you know make you a better person, no matter you could take your neighbor. Doesn't the addiction's a good part of it, but it's about becoming a better person. It's not about it's about learning why I was why I used to gamble, why I used to walk in a bookie's door, shut the door, and I, I forgot every bit of trouble I was in. The police were after me. I was due loads of people money. I was, I forgot all about that. The doors were shut, and it was like, wow, I'm in amongst people who are just like me, and they're cuddling me, and, and then you walk back out the door again, and it's real life again. It's So uh, if I can get in to help anybody, as I said, I would, uh, but as you said, first and foremost, I've got to make sure that I take care of myself every day, and I take care of my loved ones that, are, that mean the world to me, and... Uh, I just I feel very very fortunate. Like I've so much gratitude for life, and out to be honest with you, um, and I've spent a lot of years mentally and physically struggling um, because I've not been able to deal with my own emotions. But I listen. I've got I've got that opportunity today because I've worked hard to um, kind of change. And I there's no greater feeling in life than helping somebody when someone's struggling. And the, see the thing is, day it's such a hard thing today to say to someone, "I'm really struggling today. Can I need a wee bit of help?" And see anybody that does that for me, because I know what it's like to struggle, and I know what it's like to ask for help. I just love somebody like that. I want to give them the biggest cuddle ever and say, you know what? So much courage. And even Aaron Conley, a boy that I'm really close to on Twitter, I set up his own charity and all that as well, and having his missus. And 
try to commit suicide and I just I'm, I listen to him and I watch him now doing things he's doing his wee family and ah he just take my heart off to people like that man it just I, makes my hair stand on end at the back of my neck man it's amazing I can relate to you can relate to you mate and so much I've been there I was suicidal myself two and a half to three years ago um, through different circumstances not seeing my, my son for, for a long period of time um, and you're right I get. I'm doing similar stuff. Trying to do similar stuff to what you're doing, where I do journals and stuff on my podcast, and I speak about my own experiences. And, and there's no better feeling when somebody messages you and says, no, "I'm really struggling." It just just opens up to you a little bit. And I will. I'm the same as you. I'll, I'll never miss a message. I've, I'm conscious of that. I need to make sure I go back to every single person. But when somebody says to you that you've helped them through that, it gives you that. I need to be. I need to do do more of it. Then it's like it's like God's work. I need to be. Why should I? Why should I stop sharing my my story if it can help somebody? Because there's always somebody out there that's struggling that maybe just doesn't know what to do or who to reach out to. And I think the stigma has definitely changed from your time coming through as a professional footballer, where it is now okay not to be okay. And I think that's yeah. important because. Plenty of sports people, high-level sports people have committed suicide and stuff over the years. It seems like it's the perfect career, but it's, you know, it doesn't surprise me that there's gambling's an issue within professional sports people because they've got more money. So they probably think, I've got, it's like when you would, it's like when you know you're going to go on holiday or something, right? I've got five grand sitting there. I'll blow two and a half, three grand and that. I've still got two grand sitting there. But when you're doing something like gambling, that two grand needs tapped into as well. And before you know it, it's gone. And even even high-level sports people can get into trouble. So I think it's great that you're you're connecting with people and, and people are, are and I think your story could probably help a lot of professional sports people all over the world. Your book, you launched your book. When did that come out? Um, that came out in 2012. Um, and you know what, even like even to this day as well, within the steps last year as well. <laughs> Can it's opened up a lot of truth to me as well. You know what? I've done the book for all the wrong reasons as well. And that's hard to say as well. And I could be dishonest about that as well. That was an opportunity to feed my ego for to get yourself back in the limelight again. And I mean, that could have been a seven, it was maybe a seven page spread, a first seven page of paper, whatever, and I was getting paid for it, whatever. But no, I had to turn into a book. My mum didn't want to do it. My dad didn't want to put stuff in it that was in it. My wife didn't want me to do it. But you know what? I didn't listen to anybody. I was selfish, selfish to the core. And you know what? Yeah, of course it's helped a lot of, a lot of people. But you know what? If I'd listened to the most important people in my life, I wouldn't have done what I'd done. I, would have, I wouldn't have done it. And yeah, it's amazing. And I know it's helped a lot of people, but for me, it's scarred a lot of people as well. And uh, it's, it's, that's quite a difficult one as well. I should, I, I, and I know now, I didn't know then, obviously, but I know now, I know I've done it for all the wrong reasons. And uh, I, it's, that's hard for my wife as well, hard for my hard for my mum and dad if I had stuff in that that nobody knew anything about but I didn't listen to anybody they told me not to do it but I've done it and so I you know what I could sit here and say I great me I went and helped loads of people and unfortunately now I, now I firmly believe I've got a thing in my life now where it's a it's a, tri a triangle of making sure that I have unity service and recovery so I always make sure that I'm good I make sure I'm doing all the things that I'm meant to be doing but I'm making sure that I have the most amazing quality family time and make sure that um yeah that my family have always meant a lot to me you know what I mean I'm always a, a most family boy ever my, my wife my wee girl and but I know the day what it's like to be a real husband I know what it's like the day to be a real dad as well and uh it took it took a lot of hard work and but yeah I mean I done I done the book because I was so selfish as well to be fair I never listened to anybody and as I said it's only it's only kind of been really in the last year that I've realised bloody how selfish I've been through my whole life to be honest with you. And I'm one of the lucky ones. There's a lot of people who keep going through life and then they get that opportunity. I've took that opportunity to change because I didn't want to be like that. I want to I want to change. I want to be a better person. I want to make sure that I'm there for the people that are most important to me because I've never ever done that before. All I've ever wanted is look after myself. So mate, you are hands down. One of the bravest people, and I and I'm not just I'm not just you know the honesty of everything you've talked about, and you know what if people that see this podcast, if you can even just take a bit of that into your life, if you're maybe struggling or something, and really actually tear it back a little bit and give it some thought, it'll be amazing what you might find because talking about your book there, you know, 
it sounds to me like eight years ago, you probably, you've been used to being a football, you scored at Parkhead, you've played professional football, you want to be out there, you want to be in the, you know, you had good intentions probably inside, but you probably just didn't know what you were getting into. And I, I, I can understand it. it. doesn't make you the worst block in the world, but the honesty you're talking about just now, it's hard sometimes when you, you come out of playing professional sport and whatnot, you, you want to do something, you want to be part of something. But I think you've just constantly evolved, mate. You just evolved and evolved. And this 12-step programme sounds fantastic. Really, really happy for you that, you've, uh, that you're doing that. Keep doing the running. Certainly, you know, I'm sure you'll be, be enjoying the pleasures of fitting into some clothes that have been in the cupboard for a few years now. So good for you, mate. Um, it's been honestly, I'm, I'm amazed how honest and brave you are. You know, really, you know, I, I, I feel sometimes like, oh, I say some things, open it, but there's probably still some things that I've not opened up about and really been honest about. And it's made me really think to myself that, you know, there's a few other conversations maybe I need to be having with a few people that need to be had. Um, so it's it's inspiring me. It's inspiring to say the least. Very proud of you. Very proud of the way you've you've turned your your life around. And uh, and I think and I encourage you, keep looking after yourself, but keep helping other people, mate. It's it's got it's God's work, and, and I'm sure it'll make you happy, content person as you go on in your life. I think um, I think. I know what true happiness is now. It's no, it's not the end of a bet, or it's not the end of all about me. It's I uh, true happiness is, you know what, having a wee bit of peace and serenity in your life as well as things I've not, thing I've never had in my life before as well. And uh, I, know, I know what, I know what life's all about now, and I know um, the people that that are that are, that's all about for me as well. So, I uh, thanks for your time, Moses. Listen, it means a lot. It's a uh, it's always nice to come on. And you know what? If somebody takes a wee bit of fat and Ken, if you've listened to a wee bit, whatever as well, I think what you're doing is amazing as well. I'm not just saying that because you're doing your... It's amazing. It's opening people's eyes up and giving the people opportunities to to tune in and listen. I love listening to them when I'm running. That's what I said, listening to podcasts. And I think what you're doing is amazing as well. Um, keep doing much. what you're doing. And, uh, I, I, and I hope someone takes a wee bit for what I've said today and... Uh, I gets that wee bit of help and has that strength and courage that you need just to come out and say I'm toiling today. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, really, again, say it again, proud of you, mate. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Wish you all the very best in your future. Hang on for maybe a minute off the, off the back end. I'll catch you for a second. But you take care of yourself and, and all the best to you and your family. Super, thank you.